Welcome to the 115th episode of the Young Terps Podcast from the Viner Forget Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's podcast, we're talking Kenner League with Wayne Viner, a little bit of Maryland football preview, and of course, the Terrapin Rundown. And as always, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin Party Rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie at Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and serving the entire DMV, contact Allied today for a free, no-obligation quote at 301-986-0067 or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, now for the Terrapin Rundown. Well, we got a hard basketball focus this rundown. Our first note here is Maryland basketball will be playing Fairfield as part of the Avocare Invitational. Fairfield is ranked 301 in the Ken Palm rankings, which is the lowest in the tournament field. So, um, another heavy hitter on the schedule, Mason. Boy, I mean, those Fairfield game tickets are going to be going fast, aren't they? Yeah, though, they might be one of the highest tickets. Uh, it's, I don't have an issue playing mid-major schools, as I keep saying, but, like, Fairfield... They're 301 in the Ken Palm rankings. Like, they're not even a top 200 stool, or top 300 for that matter. Yeah, not the best opponent, but we did get some other good ones. The first real game in the Advocare Invitational will be against Temple, who is going through a coaching change for the season. They'll be in the first year of whoever their new head coach is. And then they'll face the winner of Texas A&M and Harvard, which are both fairly decent opponents. Yeah, I cannot remember the guy's name who took over Temple. I can see his face, though. I actually really like the direction they're heading in. Do not sleep on Temple. No, never. I mean, I think we learned that. We went to that game in the Palestra a few years ago. or I guess now that was probably like seven years ago. Yeah, something like that. When they lost. Yeah, Temple plays tough. They're Philadelphia basketball embodied. And they have one of my favorite players. And you're, of course, referring to, again, Dwayne Van Perry? Yes. Well, I like that guy. I mean, he's getting good minutes at Temple, too. Well, if they win or lose, uh, they will face either Texas A&M or Harvard. So those are some actual decent opponents right there. Yeah. Uh, Harvard's always one of those teams that you got to look out for. And even though in an earlier argument today I was ranting about Texas A&M not being good at basketball, at least they're an SEC team that's from a considered somehow power conference. Again, SEC is not that bad at basketball. The top tier is good. The rest is not. We we can debate this all day, but I I think SEC gets not nearly enough credit for being basketball in the basketball realm. Um, Other basketball news that I'm sure all you folks out there have seen. Jalen Smith was ranked number 19 in Andy Katz's top 25 returning players. Anthony Cowan, number 8. Look, I know a lot of people in Maryland seem to be a little bit apathetic with basketball, but there's a considerable amount of hype around this team at this point. I'm starting to wonder about Andy Katz. One year this guy hates Maryland, the next year he loves Maryland. I think he's starting to fall into the gap of people, at least in my mind, I'm not sure what you guys think about that. That would be a good thing to, I think, discuss almost as a fan base is why Andy Katz seems to really like this Maryland team, but he really hated last year's one. It could, and I know this is a hot take, it could just be that he didn't think the team last year was very good. Like, But it's like the team that had Diamond Stone and Robert Carter and those guys, he was all over. 
he's almost like everybody else. He's not, in my opinion, a very big insider anymore. He seems to be following, you know, Maryland's in the top ten, so he's going to start talking about Maryland players. Look, he's a national media pundit, and I know they're not all bad, but one of my one of my favorite podcasts, getting a bit meta here, the um, Inside the NFL podcast, sorry, the Around the NFL podcast, said one time that all variety sports shows suck because they can't focus on one thing. So if you're a fan of, say, football, you're gonna, just going to think they don't know what they're talking about because they don't know it well enough. I think that's kind of true, at least for Andy Katz. He works for three networks. He's an NCAA correspondent. He's a Big Ten Network correspondent. And he works for ESPN. He just might be too spread, spread too thin, and he just might only be able to f- follow who's on top. Now, I'm not saying it's an excuse, but we've gotten way off topic here. Maryland basketball is really looking to be something next year. Yeah, and I think that you even see that around here, though, really quickly. That's why a show like this can exist. You turn on the radio, even in this area, and these people don't know Maryland. Maryland's right there, and they don't know about Maryland. But, hey, you know, that gives us the opportunity to do the show. But back on to the topic list here, Maryland basketball 2020 prospect Kareem Mayne, the 12th player in the 2020 class, may skip college altogether and go straight to the NBA. Jeez, Maryland is also looking at five-star Alaskan native... There's a five-star basketball player from Alaska? Yeah, Desheen Nix, the five-star Alaskan basketball native. Now, he doesn't play there anymore. He's uh, He goes to a prep school in Las Vegas now. He, I would think, is the first five-star basketball player out of Alaska, but I'm not sure. Um, the point here being, Kareem Mayne, just real quick, is going to be 19 when he's a freshman, so he'll be eligible to go to the NBA draft instead of going straight to college. So that's why that can exist. It's not like a reoccurring thing. Um... But Maryland has offered, I think, four or five point guards for 2020 now. They I, are, hate, I mean, I hate to be, I guess a lot of people think that you are the more negative one, but I hate to be that guy and say, who cares? We saw this with the Daniel Quigley. We saw this with the Harrison Twins. We saw this. I mean, I could just start naming guys. Moses Brown. I mean, it doesn't matter. It was center through point guard through, I mean... You could even go as far back as, like, Lance Stevenson. Maryland seems to be in the conversation for every one of these guys, and they've gotten one. they got Diamond Stone. And that is true, but here's the thing with especially Desheen Nix. He has only taken one visit so far, and it's to Maryland. Whatever the case, this kid, who we already said is the number 15 player in the 2020 class, is taking his recruitment very strangely. He, he does not seem to want to, I don't know if the word's Russia, he doesn't seem to really want to be recruited like that. He's only taken one visit, head to Maryland, and he might just go to Maryland because that's the only place he's really considering right now, is what it seems like. As far as the insiders, and in air quotes, air insiders, know, he just isn't looking very hard right now. And of course, the reason why Maryland's in the conversation with all these guys is they're looking, I mean, Anthony Cowan's going to be gone, it will be the guy that will hopefully slide into that Really, I think at this point, Maryland's got two spots that if I'm a top-tier player, I want to go to Maryland to play. One of which is point guard. You've now seen it. You know, Cowan gets every look in the book. Melo Trimble did. Uh, when Des Wells was forced to play point guard, he got those same looks. And center. Those seem to be the two positions at Maryland where you will be a big-time kind of guy. Well, I think that's true. And I hope we get... 
I really do like Jasheen Nix from our FC, and other Kareem Mayer would be great as well, but they both, I think, would be great players here. But we're going to have to wait to see what they want to do. Um, keeping on basketball before we move to football here, um, Alyssa Thomas of the Connecticut Sun and Chrissy Tolliver of the Washington Mystics and the Wizards were both named to the WNBA All-Star Game as reserves, um, I believe, two days ago. This is this is good for women's basketball, who we all know took a recruiting hit pretty recently. Yeah, it's big, you know, always big positive press to get All-Stars in any pro sports league, but really, I mean... I don't know why you had to bring it back up that they took the stupidest recruiting hit known to man. But, yeah, it's great to see Christy Tolliver and Alyssa Thomas, two Terps banner players up in the rafters of the Xfinity Center, getting some WNBA recognition. And this is just kind of a weird thought that just hit me. Those, I think, might be the first two players I think of when I think of Marin's women's basketball. Yeah. Um, Maybe throw Shade Rand in there, too. Yeah, that's probably what I was going to say. I was going to say Christy Tolliver and Shader Ann. But, yeah, they're definitely the two bigger current names, I think, in Maryland women's basketball as far as the pro leagues are concerned. But, yeah, it's good to see from the Lady Terps. Now on to some quick football updates. Anthony McFarland was named to the Maxwell Award watch list, which is the best offensive player in college football. And Antoine Brooks on the defensive side was named to the Ben. Benderek Award watch list, which is the best defensive player in college football. The last time, weird enough, that two Maryland players were named to both watch lists was in the first year of, you guessed it, the Randy Etzel era with Danny O'Brien on the offense and Kenny Tate on the defense. Hey, the hype going to that season, I think, might be unparalleled, at least since then, actually. I, like, the hype going into the 2011 season was just... Off the charts, as far as I can remember. We got Daniel Bryan, ACC Rookie of the Year. Had the new jerseys, had the new coach. I mean, we people were talking about winning the ACC title that year. Yeah, there were people talking about BCS Bowl then. Yeah, and you're right. They had, you know, you had Joe Villano. I th- still think you had AJ Francis. They had Davin Meggett was taking over in the backfield as far as running backs were concerned from Darrell Scott. Uh, the only guy, and I really think when you look back at that season, the guy that they missed the most had to be Torrey Smith. Yeah, they really could have used an X-Factor receiver. Well, they really could have used better coaching. Um, I, that season, just thinking about it now, might be worth a revisit on its own. But, you know, we're running out of time with this. Things just keep happening. I, I know. But, yeah, this is great. I think Anthony McFarlane definitely isn't a surprise I am surprised Antoine Brooks got named to the Mendoza. I'm not at all. Okay. Not at all. If you really look at it and you really watch these games and dissect them, like I love watching them, and almost after every one of these games, unless they get absolutely blown out or they blow somebody out, I go back the next morning and watch the game. The most important guy on the defensive side of the ball, and there was a time in the DJ Durkin area where he was making plays on special teams and defense. Now he's kind of shifted more into being one of the more important defensive players. But if you look at Maryland's success, you can talk about Darnell Savage. He's a great player. He really led that defense last year. If you really look at the deeper reason of the front seven, so you're talking about linebackers and linemen, if you talk about those guys, it's Antoine Brooks. He's the guy. If Antoine Brooks is playing well, that defense is playing well. If he's not, then we're struggling. He makes plays. Let me tell you, if this man 
can find a way to actually sack the quarterback when he gets them, as ridiculous as that sounds, he will be in the conversation for the best defensive player in this league. Look, and I think it's easy to forget about him because you've had so many other defensive players recently. You had Jermaine Carter two years ago. You had Byron Cowart last year, Darnell Savage, Trey, Trey Watson. Watson. Like, he just kind of lost him in the shuffle pretty easily. Oh, yeah, Tino Ellis' breakout last year, which I think was the biggest story on the defense. So, yeah, maybe he just kind of got lost in the shuffle, but you're right. If he can make, if he can actually have the impact on the statute that he, he does in the field, we could be talking about Big Ten, first team all Big Ten next season. Well, you got to. Really, when you think about it, he, he's had a really good career. He scored a touchdown against Texas. At Texas, he was the one that returned the block, I think it was block field goal, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a block field goal for a touchdown. That was him. I mean, he's made some great plays, and this year they're really going to lead on him. I don't exactly know where they're going to put him in, kind of moving on to our next little football, trying to start talking about football. It's about time, isn't it? So... Yeah, let's just transition straight into that, and then we'll go swing back around to Antoine Brooks when we talk about defense. Overall, right now, I think from an offensive side of the ball, you're looking at a really solid team. You got start at the quarterback. I think we all pretty much have in our minds that Josh Jackson will be the guy playing quarterback for Maryland come the Howard game. Yeah, and it's really weird to me because so much of last season was about the quarterback I don't want to call it... It was a shuffle. Okay, quarterback shuffle. I'll just take the words out of my mouth. Quarterback shuffle. And everyone was pining for their guys when I felt like. You had the Kasim Hill supporters. You had the Terrell Program supporters. You just had... No one knew who the quarterback really should have been. And no matter what we all thought, I think we all had our doubts at points. And it's weird that Josh Jackson just... I know we like he's been around for a while, but he just kind of showed up, in my opinion. And he's the guy now, and it's weird to have that amount of certainty at quarterback. Yeah, I think he was, in my opinion, he's kind of Danny O'Brien without the terrible second year. You had ESPN broadcasts of Virginia Tech games nonstop showing him. He was this big thing, you know, his dad, Fred Jackson's on the sideline. He's this, the talk, he's going to be the next great Virginia Tech quarterback. He's going to be the second coming. I mean, you go and look at Virginia Tech, they have Michael Vick, and they really haven't had a great quarterback since then. He was that guy. He was going to come in and he was going to be the Justin Fluente and Josh Jackson. The two guys that are going to bring Virginia Tech football back. And then suddenly he's gone. And now he's here in Maryland and really he's stepped into the near starting role. Obviously in the spring game we only saw Tyler DeSue and I believe it was Max Bortenschlager out there. And those two guys, they I mean it was a tough day to throw the football. It was really windy out. But they, they obviously aren't in the conversation. It is between Piggy and jo- Josh Jackson. And I really think Jackson's got the upper hand. He's here to play in Michael Oxley's system. And I think that's the guy that's going to be starting. Yeah, I would have to agree. I, I, I like Piggy. I always have. I don't think he's going to start. But um, I really do. I keep going back to the games he had last season. The, the Ohio State game and the Indiana game. Both of which I know he fell one play short in both of them. But... It just, I know this is going to sound soft or maybe just wrong, but he looked like he just played so hard, and he wanted to win so bad, and both times it just, he was one play short. Yeah, and that's some, that's that's sports. I mean, that's that's really why we watched. We, if we knew who was going to win, what would be the point of watching it? I guess, unless it was our team. But 
that that's the game. I mean, that's really that's the story of last season. That Indiana game and Ohio State game, you're one play away from winning. That's pretty much it. Now let's if you move down to the rest of this offense, you got obviously got the focus point, the running backs. You're gonna have Javon Leak and Anthony McFarland taking most of your carries, and then it's not like there's much of a fall off. You get to Tayon Fleet Davis, who's more of a power back, Lolo Harrison, who's coming off the injury, Jake Funk, who's also coming off another injury. And really, when you look at this, you're looking at a guy who ran the ball for over a thousand yards last year, had an amazing game against the be- the best team in the league. And then you got Javon Leak, who it seems like every time he touches the ball, he's going to the end zone. Yeah, and then you go there on your power backs. Like, you got everything here. If this unit fails to deliver, the team will fail to win games. Oh, absolutely. I mean, this is the lifeblood of the offense right here. Anthony McFarlane, we all expect to be this franchise player next season. I'm sorry, I just love using that word, or that phrase. Javon Leak. Uh, people will throw out the term 1B with him. I still think he's going to be a 2, but we'll see him a lot. Taylor Fleet Davis intrigues me. Because I think, just based on talent and experience, he might you might see him at wide receiver next season. No I, way. I think he's got the skill set. I think you can see him at tight end. I don't think wide receiver. I think you might be able to see him as a jumbo wide receiver. Yes, tight end might make more sense. But the point is, I want to see him on the field. I want to see him making plays. I think his skill set is too great just to leave him... As what, the fourth, third string running back? He's a power back. I know, but you also have other power backs. You can play Jake Funk if you need to. I think, I know there's smaller guys. Anthony McFarlane and um, Javon Leak, I both think, could push for some yards. Javon Leak's six feet tall. Oh, yeah, Javon Leak, no doubt about it, is a big guy. Tayon Fleet Davis is just a tank. I mean, you look at him, tank. Like, who, if I need one yard straight ahead, I'm giving the ball to Jake Funk or Tayon Fleet Davis. No doubt in my mind. None. Anthony McFarland is a great running back, but if I need somebody that's going to barrel over somebody and get me that yard, I really am looking at, in my opinion, it's Jake Funk. And a lot of people would say Tayon Fleet Davis, but I think Jake Funk did a great job at finding the end zone in those red zone situations. And then, out of all of this, I feel like a guy who we were so high on after his freshman year, Lolo Harrison, is kind of your odd man left out. I mean, I agree, and I really feel bad for Lolo. He had that great freshman season. You know, what was it? Hold on, I have it here. 622 yards in his freshman season on the ground. And then last year, he just got hurt. And he just never looked the same. He'll be a junior next season. I feel like he's been around for a long time now. Um, I don't know what they're going to do with him. Maybe you see him as a receiver or a flex out sometimes, but I don't know what you're going to do with him, really. So if I were to scheme this, which obviously, sadly, I'm not, but if I were to scheme this, I would put Lorenzo Harrison, one, I would play him as my punt returner. Everybody thinks kick returner is a solid thing. It's going to be either Javon Leak or with Jake Funk as the lead blocker. Or, you know, you got guys. Jay Sean Jones, you got a list. Here's how I would use Lorenzo Harrison. I would say... We're going to have a set of plays where he's out as a receiver and we throw him a screen pass. I like the middle screen the best out of any screen. And then we're going to have plays where we pitch the ball out to him and we let him run. If you really go back and look at his best plays, which are all in his freshman season, he finds one gap and he's a one cut back and he is gone. He's electrifyingly fast, one of the fastest guys on the field. He is that guy for us. Now, Anthony McFarland, he's another one guy. He finds one hole gone. Javon Leak might even fit into the same category. 
Lolo Harrison is a guy who it's almost fits at least in the early season if he can prove himself. If we need to get that man the ball, if he is back to his explosion, you gotta find a way to get him the ball. I think you're right. One of these guys should be a wide receiver, even though when we talk about them, they're stacked too. I think that finding a way to get Lorenzo Harrison involved is going to be, I'm not going to say key to winning, but I think key to keeping him here, and I think he's a great talent. It would be a shame to have to see a guy like him transfer. Okay, so moving on to receivers and tight ends here. Um, I don't know if stack's the word. First off, one of the weirdest roster things I've ever seen in my life. There are nine sophomore receivers on the Maryland team. I have no idea how that happens. But there are nine of them. And yeah, I'd say they're all similarly skilled. But besides Jay Sean Jones, uh, similarly skilled, no, I'm going to backtrack on that. They're, they're all, I think, similarly talented. But Jay Sean Jones is the only one that really just pops out of me as like being a guy like, oh, I want to see him on one-on-one routes. I just don't know enough about a lot of these guys. Yeah, I think that really when you look at this full list of guys, you're going to see Jay Sean Jones in a starting position. You're going to see Dante Demas in a starting position. And I really think you're going to see Brian Cobbs in the other one. And then you just keep on looking. Obviously, you got DJ Turner. He's a senior. I'll, I'll, I'll flip it around. DJ Turner's going to take the Brian Cobbs spot. He's the senior. He's the leader of the group. He has to be the leader of this group. Past that, let's just get into this. Then you'll have Brian Cobbs. He'll be a backup on the bench. You'll have Daryl Jones. He's made some fantastic plays. You're going to have... I mean, you just the list goes on and on. Yeah, I agree. There's kind of no point in listing them all out here. There's a lot of talent. This is going to be a bit of a mess, I think. But what you do have to really keep in mind is, Jayshon Jones, we all know because of that great first game, and he made some nice plays after that, but it really never was the same. I mean, he scored three touchdowns and three touches, didn't he? Yeah, three touches in his first... Or three touchdowns in his first three touches in the college career. Yeah, rushing, passing, and receiving. Yep. So he made those great plays, and he obviously, he was, I think, in my mind, he's the more consistent one. By the end of the season, Daryl Jones, who caught that great touchdown pass against Ohio State when, or really wasn't, ended up not being ruled a touchdown, caught that great pass against Ohio State that set the Terps up to take the lead, which, as we all know how that ended, not very well. He started making great plays at the end of the season. And then you have Dante Demas. Dante Demas is the one guy on this list that you said, Give me that guy and throw it up to him. It's him. He's like 6'5", and he makes plays on the ball. He's a great guy to have out on the wings. You can't go wrong here. The one thing that I'll say, though, about these guys is none of the freshmen last year were consistent the whole year, but they all had times where they really shined. It's going to be about who steps up in camp, and then, of course, you know, you're kind of into that situation, which I don't always love in sports, where if you're not producing, you're not really playing. So, this season will allegedly feature the return of the tight end position to Maryland's playbook, starring Chigo Conquo, Noah Barnes, and the grad transfer. Maybe, I know we were, like this has been transfer season in college football, and including College Park, but the most slept-on transfer in Maryland, by far in my opinion, is Tyler Marbury. Yeah, Tyler is definitely going to be your number one pass-catching tight end. We all saw Chigo Conquo kind of Swiss Army knife it. Through the season, he had a few rushing touchdowns. I think he had two, or maybe only had one. He wasn't much of a pass catcher. Now, he can work on that. That can always be changed. Obviously, they're going to start working him more into an actual tight end position. I believe they called it the F-back last year. 
who he's a move tight end. I mean, he's a motion blocker and he's a motion ball carrier. He's not much of a pass catcher unless it's on the inside swing pass. Uh, Noah Barnes is really a blocking tight end. I really don't. I think I've been to probably 20 Maryland football practices last year. And I don't think I ever saw Noah Barnes catch a pass. That's encouraging. But he is. He's a blocker and he plays on special teams. And when you look at what this team is going to be built to do, they need a tight end that can really block. And you got two of those guys. And then you're going when you're the pass catcher, of course, is your grad transfer. Yeah, and Tyler Murray, who is transferred from Buffalo, was the um, first team All-Mac tight end last season. So, you know, you got to gotta put some faith in that. So, I think we're going to leave this one just being the offensive line. I think we're going to leave this podcast just for the offense. Obviously, I've gone on a little bit long with each of these to more of a full preview. But we'll get to the defense next week. And, of course, we still have Wayne coming up to talk about the Kenner League. Let's talk about this offensive line for a second. For years, we've seen the same guys here this year. That really will not be the case. Uh, From left to right, I'll list them. I think it's going to be Jalen Duncan, who is a redshirt freshman. It's going to be really thrown into the fire. He was a four-star guy from DJ Durkin uh, era. He is going to need to produce. If not, I think you're really going to be stuck there. Uh, That might be your one position that you really don't want to stick Ellis McKinney at. You have a guy in T.J. Bradley who came in, I believe, last year uh, down there. He needs to put on some weight. I think that um, you got Tyron Hunt who can also play tackle, but that's really going to be a position where you're really relying on that redshirt freshman to kind of step in and take over for Damian and Derwin who pretty much had to do the same thing. Yeah, and then if you keep going um, left to right here, you have Sean Christie who started since a sophomore every I think every game, or if not, yeah, every game for the last two seasons, he started at left guard. I really like Sean Christie. I've talked to him a couple times, and I think, I really think he could be the best one on the line, honestly. He's been consistent his entire career. I know he's not the most athletically gifted guy, but he understands the game, and he works hard. Yeah, I don't really think he's going to be that. That's going to be the case. He could. He's definitely a consistent guy in that spot, obviously. You know, a lot of people have been let down by this offensive line. I rarely can think of times where it was really Sean Christie that was the one that was doing that. You're going, and then if you move on down to center, this is my guy on this offensive line. It's Johnny Jordan. A lot of people remember him. He was starting at center when Brendan Moore kicked over to guard for a few games when Terrence Davis was hurt last year. I love Johnny Jordan. This guy can play football. I know a lot of people thought Brendan Moore was really good. A lot of people thought... Derwin and Damian were were great players. I think Johnny Jordan is your real deal offensive lineman. He moves well off of that center spot. He's had the experience. Now he goes into a full-time starting role where he knows that he's going to be the guy every week. I really like it. You move over to the other side of the line, to the right side, and you're starting off with your guard, Terrence Davis, who's got to produce at this point. You know, I remember his freshman year, the Terps were going up to play Penn State in a game that they ended up losing. And it was his first start, and everyone was really hyped up about Terrence Davis. This guy's got to do something. This is his last year at Maryland. He's got to be one of the guys on this offensive line because you're just kind of stepping into that leadership role. It's always been about your two guys, uh, Damian Prince and Derwin Gray. Now it's about Terrence Davis. He's got to do it this year. He's got to stay healthy. He's got to he's got to make the plays. Yeah, Terrence Davis is, I don't want to say disappointed us, but I don't know what else to say. He's... He's just not lived up to what we thought his potential could be. I think he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school. He was a high four or five-star guy at Matha. 
he got hurt for half the season last year, but still, like he has to produce. Well, I, I think that you're really understating if you say hurt for half of last season. He was out for half of the games. He was hurt for basically, most of the whole yeah, season. basically the entire year. You're right about that. He was out for some games. He was hurt maybe the entire year, and he just has to produce. There's not. No one's left to compensate for anyone like going down this line at this point. Well, that's not true. Maryland can afford one injury on this line. I don't mean it like that. I mean, there's no... Just in my opinion, there's no talent on this line that can pick up the slack if anybody has a That's not talent. true. You got your... And we'll get to him in a second. You got a Swiss Army Knife player. Uh, if you move out to the other tackle, you got Marcus Miner, another big-time recruit of, I believe, DeMatha. Uh... He played a lot last year. He got some of those step-in snaps when guys were down with injuries. He was a high four-star guy. I really like him. I think that he played uh, really well as a plug-in guy in such a line that was really, you know, played together a lot. And then he moved to your bench. And this is why I was saying there's one guy on your bench that can step in anywhere. And that is, of course, Ellis McKinney. He, I believe, will be listed at, he's definitely going to be the backup center. I think he's definitely going to be the backup left guard because that's where he played a little bit last year. I think he's going to be the backup right tackle. He might just be your backup guy across the board. He can play almost every position on the line. He does it well enough. He's going to be a guy that if you, as I said, can afford about one injury on this line, it's because of Ellis McKinney. Looking at other guys, you have Austin Fontaine, who everybody remembers as a big-time defensive line recruit. This is a guy that I think a lot of people miss on when they say, oh, he's switching sides of the line. You gotta remember, this guy was like a five-star defensive lineman and a four-star offensive lineman coming out of DeMatha. So there's still a lot to be developed there. You have Evan Gregory, who was another four-star guy. Then you get down to the edge end of the bench where you got a guy like Spencer Anderson. You have the tackle Tyron Hunt that came in a few years ago. He still needs to bulk up, and of course the junior TJ Bradley, another guy that needs to add some weight on, and really he struggled in this moment. So did Tyron Hunt. There was some surprises here. I think Brian Plummer, he's a guy that was, I think he was going to a senior year, transferred, and that was really hard for me to believe, but, you know, things happen all across everywhere these days in college football. Everyone's leaving if they're not playing, but really kind of a thin unit outside of, I think, your first six guys. I would have to agree, and I would say that Austin Fontaine and Evan Gregory, I think both will be starters in this line maybe next season, but neither of them are ready to start next or tomorrow really this is going to be you can make the argument that of all the parts of this offense this is the part that's going to make or break the team well there's one last thing they'll put on this and then we'll move on to the Kenner League I love the offensive line coach and we'll bring in Wayne Wayne will tell you he's seen the man coach he's the best guy they've had there in years Uh, I'll give him all the credit in the world if this unit is playing well I really think it's got a lot to do with coaching the last guy's were really screwed by the coaching. It was constant turnover over their years here, and they had a lot of great talent. I mean, two of those guys are three. I think, yeah, Brendan, Damian Prince, and Derwin Gray. Gray was drafted. They're all playing for NFL spots, and I believe they're all going to find spots on rosters. They are. That was a great unit, and I feel like there was a lot of talent wasted there by coaching turnover and, frankly, poor coaching last year on the offensive line. That's just my two cents about it. I think these guys got the right leader, though. And now we bring in Wayne Viner to the Young Terps podcast. Well, I guess to kick it off, we'll swing back around to football. You've commented a lot about the offensive line coaching that you've seen early on with this new staff 
give us a second about why you think John Reagan's the right guy to lead this offensive line unit. He was seemingly, to me, the best teacher out there. He could tell you why to do it. He could show you how to do it. And I thought that he had a lot of impact. And if there's one guy that I want to talk about offensive philosophy with, it's probably John. He's been an offensive coordinator. He's had many jobs in football. But he's done good things at Penn. He's done good things at Rice. I know it's not saying he did great things at Texas or Notre Dame or, or Oklahoma. But it, you can see the teaching. You can see the quality in the way he's trying to get his message across. What you have to wonder is, does he have the players to pull that off in the Big Ten right now? When you talk about, a lot of people like to chalk up the prior offensive line woes to the transition and coaching. Do you, I mean, you're kind of like our offensive line expert. Do you think that holds stock? There's different ways to block. You hear about it more at the NFL level where they talk about downhill, they talk about zone blocking, talk about the responsibilities. And although it might not look like it on a Saturday or Sunday, the way the offensive line reads the defense has to figure out what the play is going to be, has to figure out where the pressure is coming from. It's really complex. So, yeah, if you change your methods several times in a career, it could screw you up a little bit. I'm not sure what I saw, what you saw on the field with a Damian Prince or a Derwin Gray, how highly they were rated by PFF, which is Collinsworth's company that rates yeah. how well the plays are done. Did that translate to you on the field? To me, it was a little lacking. Yeah, I already talked about it. I kind of, by the end of it, came to the fact that changing the coaches, I believe it was three times in their four playing years, it kind of ended them. By the end, I really didn't like the last guy, Steinspring. Brian Steinspring. Steinspring, yeah. I didn't like really his message. He well, didn't make a lot of sense to me. I didn't think he was an offensive line coach. He was an OC for Virginia Tech. He was an OC at James Madison. They went to the national championship against North Dakota State, Jordan's North Dakota State. And he came in here... It ends up being the offensive line coach. I didn't think it was a great match. Yeah, I, I just... I don't know. By the end of it, it was just kind of done. They were injured by the end of last year. It was For them, it was probably time to move on. But they've got a new group of guys here. A lot of talent. A lot of the similar stuff. So let's move on to another place that has a lot of talent, which, of course, is the Kenner League and what you saw out there this last weekend at Georgetown. Obviously... Anthony Cowan-led comeback sounds pretty similar to what the Terps have going. Well, the game that Cowan's team was in, and he has fellow Terp Aaron Wiggins with him, um, looked like a real basketball game. A lot of people talk about summer league games. It looks like an NBA All-Star game. There's no defense played. This was real basketball. And for those who want to check it out, next Saturday and Sunday coming up. You can go down to Georgetown. The games are free. It's at McDonough Arena. Not the biggest place in the world. <laughs> Not a lot of parking. But the concession stands are open. It's pretty good basketball. And they have air conditioning. Air conditioning was fantastic. If you haven't seen this piece, it's up on TerpTalk.com. And I did get a chance to talk to the guys. I guess you'll hear that here in a moment. Yeah, we'll have that coming up. But so tell us about the game. I mean, obviously, guys from, what, Syracuse, Georgetown, GW, two Terps. 
a kid from Virginia at center, a guard from Loyola. It's a good uh, collection of talent. The Kenner League's been around a long time. Uh, a lot of Georgetown kids, a lot of Big East influence there. What I saw, as you said, was pretty much a Maryland game. Both Cowan and Wiggins weren't so hot early in the game. A kid by the name of Frank Howard, who's a D.C. product, goes to Syracuse, had a lot of the uh, points to keep him in the game. And then as it came down the last few minutes, suddenly Cowan became Cowan again in overtime. Wiggins drives the lane, looks like the player you've heard about. And that team, which is run by Darren McClinton, uh, pulls it off. That's Kevin McClinton's brother. Kevin played point guard at Maryland for a while. So it was fun. Like I said, I recommend it if you like college ball. It's a great place to go for the summer. And yes, the air conditioning works. So, so many people have talked about Aaron Wiggins maybe being the breakout player for this team. Did you see anything different about him that would make you believe that? I missed the game where he looked like an NBA draft pick. That was the week before. And I heard he did a little better on Sunday. I didn't go back. I'd like to go back this weekend, take another look. He's certainly bigger, and in the video, if you take a look at that, they, they look stronger. There's more muscle on these guys. We'll have to see. I mean, summer league's one thing. It's like talking about an NFL preseason game. I, I'm going to be a lot happier when I see real basketball against real opponents, and Turge has Wiggins out there, and Wiggins is hitting the big shots like he did against LSU down in Jacksonville in the NCAA tournament. Yeah, and we'll have to uh, fear some of those... Uh real basketball teams like the 301st ranked uh, Fairfield team that will be coming in. It's And maybe we can get your take on it. You've been a season ticket holder for Maryland basketball for... 1990? Yeah, somewhere around there. 90, 91. It's been a while. When one looks at the schedule, and now we're looking at this team that's supposed to be super hyped. So the last time, if you go back really quickly, the last time they were this hyped, they sold out, uh, or they sold the tickets to almost every game. Every game was sold out. Now you're fighting against the 6 o'clock times with the traffic around here, and they're scheduling opponents like Fairfield, and, I mean, you can come up with them. Uh, New Jersey the, Institute of Technology will be in. Yeah. Okay, so I went when we were... The we that was Maryland basketball at Cole and saw Gary Williams' teams play American, play mm -hmm. Fairleigh Dickinson. You know, teams that just don't really bring it, but the crowds were there, and Maryland would win by 40 or 50 points. It's Steve Francis games, Maryland 101, the other team 40. So we've always played these opponents. There's articles written all the time now about how fandom has changed and people don't go to games as much. So am I worried that Maryland plays some cupcakes early on along with that tournament that's going to be in Orlando where they play Temple? Yeah. No, I'm not worried because in the end, Maryland still plays a top 20 schedule because of all those Big Ten games. Um, I Would I like to see them play Kentucky and Kansas in the preseason like some other teams do, getting the mix with the Michigan State's, Carolinas, Dukes? Sure. But Turgeon just doesn't want to do that. So as long as Mark's around, we're not doing that. Well, we did see them play, what was it, Kentucky 
Or we didn't go that time. We went and saw them play UConn when they played the games at the Barclays Center. They've right. played, I mean, they've played this as just like, you heard Nima Omidvar the other week talk about it on the show. They think that the tune-up games and the wins are more important than, I guess, playing, you know, your Kentuckys or your Yukons or whoever you want to throw out, depending on what year it is, but... Well, we didn't get any help this year from the ACC Big Ten Challenge with Notre Dame, but we talked earlier about Seton Hall. Uh, it's a big enough game. Right now, it seems if you aren't playing premium competition, you can't get the building filled. And I didn't think for most of the time I was a Maryland fan that Comcast Center was too big. And you look at Cole and go, ooh, 14-5. Right now, with the amount of people that want to pay to go to a game as opposed to watch it on their 75-inch television, 14-5 is a better building size than 17,950. Or 17,500 there. Yeah, and, I mean, there it is. Season ticket holders, I mean, they're the guys, of course, like you and... Yeah, you know, so many people that we talk to, there's no way they're giving them up. There's just, it's what they do. Right. It's but, almost like the thing that that's what you do or sit at home and. Well, I'm not going to sit at home, but you know, I sit in press row and, and for a while we've had more tickets. So we've had people for most of the games, especially your Mount St. Mary's, etc. I knew I was buying tickets that I wasn't going to be able to give away. I'd like that to change. There's a lot of buzz. But, you know, if they thought they had problems before, just now the Caps win the Stanley Cup. And that's the biggest draw. They sell it every night. And and Maryland basketball has too many empty seats at the moment. But I'm sure they're working to fix that. Yeah, and there's a lot of hype around this year, so we'll wait and see. Now let's get to Wayne with Anthony Cowan and Aaron Wiggins. In the lobby at McDonough Arena at Georgetown, one heck of a summer league game. This is Wayne Viner, Anthony Cowan, Aaron Wiggins. So, guys, you really turned it on there the last couple minutes against the Tombs. Take the game over just like you always do. How'd that happen for you, Ant? Uh, I, just seen, I just seen plays there. Um, my team made it, made it happen so I could open up the floor and I was just able to hit shots. What did you think of the competition out there? Uh, it was really, really good competition. I enjoyed it. Uh, everybody was going really hard. And, um, it was, it was a really fun game to play in. How'd you end up on Team McClinton? Uh, that's just my trainer. That's why I work out with. Um, I work out with him during the whole season. Um, so that's just his team. So I brought mm-hmm. Aaron on with me. You guys playing a lot at College Park as well as here? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, every day we're getting work in, uh, mm-hmm. workouts, pickups. So, I mean, just trying to get better, be prepared for the upcoming season. What do you think of the publicity? I mean, you sit at the press table and they go, it's a number nine player according to Andy Katz. You're right as a first-round draft pick already for next year. You guys have any opinions on that? Uh, not really. We all we all we try to do is just get better every day. Uh, we don't really looking at the looking at the rankings or looking yeah. at the draft board. We just ready to work and get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got you look like you're hitting the weight room pretty good there. Trying to trying to put some weight on. Yeah, is it all Kyle Tarp or all is it Kyle your own? Tarp. This is all Kyle Tarp work. Yeah, so. yeah. yeah. Uh, you oh, yeah. too. He is oh, yeah, we just got him on. Okay. All right. Well, that's great for a summer interview. Nice to see you guys. And, of course, always nice. Just came out to see my Terps yeah. win, and you made me happy in the end. So yeah. thanks for that. Thank you for coming out. Yeah. And we would like to thank Wayne for joining us on this episode of the Young Terps podcast. It was nice to uh, get out to the Kenner League for him, see some Terps guys play. And such a 
you know, it's almost like a tradition around here to have a few Terps playing in the Kenner League. I always say that a lot of these sports are nothing without their traditions, and I think the Kenner League is definitely one here in the D.C. area. And as someone who just loves basketball, I think these, bas- these college summer leagues don't get enough press. And I think that will do it for this episode of the Young Terps Podcast. As always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Viner Four Gates in Rockville. For all of your business IT needs, Viner Four Gates is a place to go. You can reach Viner Four Gates at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one viner.com. Allied Party Rentals. For all of your party rental needs in the entire DMV, Allied is the place to go. You can visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. We'll be back next week to talk the defensive side of the ball for the Terps football squad and hopefully have a guest on. We'll see, but uh, we our hopes are high for next week. So just wait to see. Keep checking in to us. Of course, you can follow us on Twitter at YoungTerp1. And as always, thanks for listening.